This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dina Malandraos. Thanks for listening. I'm Jorge Otero-Pailos, Professor and Director of the Historic Preservation Program, and today I'm speaking with Antonio Cruz, co-founder of Cruz y Ortiz Architectos, in advance of their lecture at the school on February 19th. The practice was founded in Seville in 1974 by Antonio Cruz and Antonio Ortiz, with a second office opening in Amsterdam in 2002. They've won numerous awards, including the European IDIPA Prize for their work on the Rix Museum in Amsterdam. They've also been selected to represent Spain at the Venice Architecture Biennial and were awarded the distinction of Knight of the Royal Order of the Dutch Lion in 2014. Antonio, welcome. Such a pleasure to have you here and to see you after so many years. It's great. I wanted to start by asking you about the Rix Museum, such an emblematic project. You've spent how many years working on it? Okay, at all, I think that we spent something like 50 years in, the, in this project. We began in 2001, and the museum was open in 2013. But after that, we have still been working two years more, finishing the south wing, that, and, the, and that's part of the building that had never been there. Because during the whole remodelation of the main building, this part was, was maintained like a small exhibition of the masterpieces of the Reichs. And then it was very beautiful because you can, in only 40 minutes, you can see the best pieces of that so big museum like the Reichs. And in those days, they put all of them concentrated in a relatively small museum. And then once that they opened the, the big uh, museum, we remodelated the, the south wing for the temporary exhibition. And then, like this, we finished it in 2015, we finished it. So that's a very long time to have a, a relationship with, a, with an existing building, isn't it? Do you remember um, when you first met the building, what you felt when you first walked into the, the, the Ricks Museum? Okay, this is a building that this was very difficult to, to understand because Naturally, I had I, I, I knew this museum, but I didn't have understand never what kind of a building it was, because it had suffered a lot of transformation. He have lost the two courtyards that he, now it has all again, and it was difficult to understand the purpose of the main architect Kuiper when he did this building at the end of the 19th century. But bit to bit, when that you began looking at the history of the building, you began to understand what kind of building it was, uh, or it is, and what is the damage that they have made in this wonderful building, and how we can recuperate the old splendor of this building and integrate in it a new apportation of our firm. I think it's so interesting that you think, you know, that you describe the work of previous interventions as, as damage. Um, how did you feel this damage? I mean, how... The problem was many different problems, but Kuypers finished his building in 1885. And in this moment, just when he finished, everybody found that this building was over-decorated. 
and at the same time they understood and they understood this building like the work of a Catholic architects working in a Protestant country. The south of Netherlands is also Catholic, but this architect was a Catholic, and the building was very bad understand in those days. Too many decorations. It was like a church, and then when the immediately the 20th century began understand the museum in another absolutely in a way absolutely different. It came in the moment of the black box or the moment in which the building they have to be very neutral because the idea was that you could perceive the pieces are independently of anything. Mm. Everything had to be black or absolutely white. No decoration around the, the pieces are. Nothing that disturbs the vision of this, of this piece. And they began a process in which all the decoration of the initial building was painted in white, it was destroyed. When Kuiper did his building, he understood the building like something that was part of the collection, something that the Rijksmuseum is a building of Dutch art, on the, the Netherlands art. It's not like, for instance, the British, the Louvre or the Prado, that are a general art. There, there is only Dutch art. And in this art, in this Dutch art, they understood that the architecture is, was part of this art that they wanted to show, and the building, building itself had to be part of the, of the contemplation of this, of this art. And that was loose during the whole mm, 20th century. Even the courtyards that was part of the building, you could understand the, the building with the, the courtyard. They were built up, absolutely. Yeah. And there were no more courtyards. They were full of different rooms. Right. And you, when you enter in the building, you lost absolutely the perception of the building. This is so interesting that hey, you have there a piece of architecture that is claiming already quite an important relationship with art, and there you're coming in and you don't get to intervene in the art. You don't get to change the art, right? You don't get to restore the art. You only get to touch the architecture. But were you interested in this relationship between architecture and art? When we are make an intervention in, the, in a building, we are very interested in, in this building and we try to understand how was the thinking of the architects who do that building initially? And in this moment, we are interested in this connection in between architecture and art, because we understood that for Kuiper, that was a very important matter. The idea that the building itself, itself had to be part of the collection and the people have to understand the history of the art, not only with the pieces of art that were included, but also because the building was part of this lecture that the visitor have to understand. And what did the building, or what does the building now add to the lecture of the art, as you said? I mean, what does it, what does it help you do? Does it bring it into... <clears throat> I'm thinking of the Glyptothek, for example, Yvonne Klenz's museum in, in Munich, where he designed the rooms to be of sort of historically appropriate to the art. So classical Greek would have classical Greek architecture around it, and classical Rome would have more classically Roman. No, in, in, in this case, that was not our, our 
part commission because the the commission that we had is to recuperate the initial building. I mean, we cannot try to react in between the pieces of art, the painture, the culture, anything, and the surrounding. We have to recuperate the building of Kuipers that was much, very much decorated. Mm -hmm. And also all the sizes and the volume of the different rooms, we recuperated all, all, all this. And even the painture in the, in the walls, the um, pavement, everything, all the, all the decoration that the building initially had, we put again in the vision of the, of the people. And then there were another, there were the, the role of the curators, the people who look for this relationship in between space and pieces are, it was not our role, it was the curator who had to take care of this. Did they put back the same art that yes. was there before? Yes, but they, they say very proud that only one piece is going to remain in the same place where he, he was, that is a, a night watch. The night watch is what it was, but any other piece has changed uh, the situation. Okay, they have made a complete reconsideration of the collection. Even they had the opportunity to restore all the pieces and to put in good shape like this. When they opened again the museum, the museum was an absol absolutely a new collection. A new collection, okay, it was uh, the same pieces, but the concept of how they showed the pieces were absolutely different. Only the night wash stayed in the, in the same place that the, it was. And the building stayed in the same place, but you've added certain things to it. And I'm particularly curious about the materials that you used. How did you choose those materials? We, we use only one stone in all the building, in every intervention that we have done, in the floor, in everything that happened in the, in the couriers. And we tried to look for a stone that could be reconcilable, but at the same time it was not so far that the other stone that the building had. And with this stone is a, is a material that we use exactly to let a, a witness, a witness about the, the work of of Cruz Ortiz in the moment. Where you see this stone is because we have a touch in there. Then also we, we, we use white material, especially in this element that we put in the, in the, in the middle of the, the courtyards, this chandelier, how the old director wanted to call this element that is, is a very important element also. Tell us about it because it's very unusual. It's, it's both a room sort of levitating and it's, it inhabits the space. So can, can you describe it for us a little bit? <clears throat> yes, there is this, this, this piece had many, many purposes and, and many functions at the same time. Some functions are literary functions like pieces for the acoustic or the light but at the same time have other kinds of uh, function. For instance, we were very interested in to make a unity in between the two couriers and the passage that is crossing the, or dividing the two couriers. The passage had, let's say, something like six meters high, but the courier is much more high. 
we, we make on, with this element is to recuperate the same height of the ceiling of the, of the passage in the two corridors, such a way that you have only one ceiling or one virtual ceiling in the three elements. The lower part of this chandelier is at the same level of the of the ceiling of the of the passage, mm -hmm. and that gave an unity to the three elements. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if you see the the, the courtyard itself, the courtyard have in the lower levels windows with rich decoration, mm -hmm. but in the upper level have no window because in the upper level the light is coming from the top and because coming on the top the wall had no window only some decoration let's say in this part the courier is a space in which the lights only pass through the lower level but the light is not entering in the building and what we have done is to make one element that have soto echoes you know this sculpture, Venezuelan sculpture Soto, that makes things hanging for the oh, top. Yes. And then the light, you see how the light is going down. Uh -huh. Because the light is reflecting in this white element. Right. And you could appreciate that in, and in this space, in this six meter space, this element is bringing the light to the lower levels. So actually, you you see the light because you put something in front of it. Yeah, you see, you perceive, you can you can appreciate. That. But there is no light coming out of the structure. Yes, yes. Does also. it have also? Yes, it also uh, have artificial light. Yes, I have artificial light during the night. Okay, okay this had artificial light too. I have not mentioned, but this is another function. Okay, it's an acoustic element, it's a lighting element, but at the same time, it's a theoretical element that gives you a ceiling and that make that the natural light coming uh, through this space. All this is this, the purpose or the function of this, this element. Do you think the Rijksmuseum is at capacity now? I mean, would it be possible, let's say, if they called you back, and I want to talk a little bit about the, the, the you being called back to work on your own work, but if, you, if they called you back to increase it yet again, would it be possible, or would that would would the is the Reich Museum at its carrying capacity? Mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. Okay, but I have never previous idea about the new commission that I I received. But maybe the director came to us. We don't say no. We say okay. Let's let's going to think about. Eh? Because uh, you can always find a new a new way to do to do the things. But I don't know how. For instance, I, there is another sample that is interesting. You know that in Spain the the Altamira cave is a historical cave, and now they have done a replica, and what the people visit is the the replica because no one, so only twenty five person day can go into the real cave for reason of maintenance and uh, okay and this is very very it had to be intense if you can go in the in an empty yeah. space there is a lottery every day yes. you you buy your ticket for the normal for the replica and once you have buy the, your ticket for the replica every day 
there is a lottery and 20 people on that who have buy the ticket, they go to the authentic. This is fascinating. Yeah. I mean, how to deal with the massification of society. And you, um, this is a good segue to talking about your work on your own buildings. And in particular, the stadium that you built outside of Madrid, Beineta, which was such an amazing minimalist stadium, which had this incredibly pure base with just a single bleacher on one side with a very beautiful curve. Uh, it stood there for many years, maybe 20 years or so? Or? Yes, yes, we finished the building in 95, and then the new building had been finished in 18, but maybe the, the work began in the 10, approximately have been, let's say, 15 years with the shape, and, they, and we had no change. And so this building, La Peineta, you were, after it was completed, you were called back to expand it very much because in a way it, of its success. It's not quite the Cuevas de Altamira, it's not quite the Altamira Caves, but it very much this idea that more people had to come to this place. How did you deal with that? Okay, there is different levels of understanding this problem. First of all, I had to say that for the very beginning, when we made the competition, it was said that this building is going to be enlarged someday. This was in the in the real in the idea of the building that someday is going to be enlarged, and uh, we have already decided that our enlargement is going to be completing the the whole 360 degrees around the pitch, instead to make a low building and to make uh, upper. That was something that. But in any case, we don't foresee how we are going to make the, the extension. And when we have received this idea, for, it, for us, it was a very difficult uh, project because in a way, we like the initial building. It was a, a building that had been, uh, it was already an iconic element in this part of the city of Madrid. But we had to, and they asked us to make this enlargement. And we had to accept for different reasons. The first reason was that if we don't accept, it will come another to do that, or it will come another to destroy the building. <laughs> so better uh, you than someone else. <laughs> better, better we made that don't to destroy the building. That's it. And then mm, the purpose that we, uh, and I'm going to explain that idea today, is our purpose was to make a new building in which there is two or three things that we wanted to do. Once, to maintain the idea of the peineta at its was, and that you can recognize the same, the, the building at it is. We should say what a peineta is for, for listeners who don't know. This is a, a headpiece that, that yes. goes in the traditional dress yes. of women in, yes. in Spain, and yes. it just it sort of stands yes, above it's, their it's head. Like have the same shape that the blisher had more or less the same, the, 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 the shape of the bleacher. That's right. Uh, and then, I said, the, 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 we wanted to, that the initial building could, could be recognizable. But at the same time, we wanted that you don't read the new building like the addition of two different pieces of architecture. Mm -hmm. That someone who arrived and doesn't know previously the initial project, he can 
see the building like only one building. He doesn't understand the building that one building that had been enlarged. This is the problem. Uh -huh. Maintain the initial building, but at the same time do something that you can understand that I need, like a complete or a unique piece of architecture. Mm -hmm. This is the idea, and I think that we 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 achieve this idea. In some points, you can see and you can recognize the initial building, but at the same time, all the building is only one one piece of architecture. And in this element, we maintain the material, we maintain the kind of horizontal windows. Yet at the end, we put a roof over the two pieces that made the union in between the two parts of the buildings. One of the things about both of these projects that we just discussed is that they suggest that somehow a building is never finished, that you could always go back and bring a new level of understanding to it. Do you feel that the Peinetas now ready for the next transformation or you, you, you okay. think it's substantial? Today I am going to make a, an introduction an introduction with the Cordoba Mosque. Uh, you know what people here maybe doesn't know, but it's a building that had, had a lot of modification, a lot of intervention for many different cultures, or for two cultures, very different. But at the end, uh, this building is a, is a wonderful piece of art, exactly because of this, uh, of the history of the building, and because how the building can accept different moments and different interventions. And I think this is the the, the, the problem is to do things in the, in the right way. This is the the problem. In the three examples that I am bringing today, there is a very strong modification, but I think the criteria or the judgment that the people had to do is if we are being able to maintain the value of the initial building and uh, we had not betrayed, traditional betrayed. We had not betrayed the initial the initial work at the end that we are not only one restored architect that only leave the building that, like they are, but that we introduce something of our our, our moment of our year uh, or the moment that we live and we let our imprint our imprint in the moment well for that we have your your work as masterful lessons on, on how to do it uh, do it right so we thank you for that and and thank you for for spending time okay thank you to you for the invitation this podcast was produced by colombia gsap in collaboration with arc daily we launched a new series of podcasts called Constructing Practice, in which young architects from around the world speak about their motivations, challenges, and what it means to start a new practice in their respective context. Look for it on iTunes and find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.